You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit post-game podcast. My name is Jeremy Rison. I am the editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. I will be your adequate host this week as Chris has some time off with some family. With me to break down a, uh, a football game, I guess it can technically be called a football game, uh, is the rock god, Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, uh, welcome. Uh, we're going to have to somehow tackle this one, just you and I. I definitely feel less good about the Rock God intro after watching the Woodstock 99 documentary. <laughs> and I'm not trying to throw this thing off the rails already to begin with, but it I'm just It kind of sounds like you are. Well, you know, <laughs> it's. I'm so glad that you described this as a football game because it was, there was the snapping from the center to the quarterback and True. teams play. My gosh. Uh, yeah, it's in the books. It's done. The Lions are out of Denver. <laughs> yeah, I, and honestly, I feel like that's we're we're gonna try to turn the page on this one as as quick as possible. Mm. And I feel like the Lions Little are probably Bob Seger. No, no, the Metallica version. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Metallica's cover of a classic Detroit sure. song, better version. Um, anyways, uh, Lions lose thirty eight to ten to the Denver Broncos in a game that was close until it very much was not anymore. It did feel like the Lions were were working their way back into that game after a pretty horrendous start. And then the second half started and it was, there was nothing, pretty much nothing that went well in the second half. We're going to break it all down. Um, but I guess Ryan, you know, we, we previewed this game on Thursday. We knew with all the flu stuff going on, we, and at that point, we only kind of knew the tip of the iceberg stuff because two more players got two more key players got put on COVID on Friday after we recorded that podcast. And then two more were put on COVID on Saturday morning. So all things considered, was there anything that really surprised you that happened on Sunday or disappointed you, I guess? Or was it just shrug your shoulders, turn the page? Um, you know, I I can't say it was disappointing, but it was deflating to see the way that the Denver Broncos came out and just set the tone for this mm-hmm. game, right? I mean, you, you look at the way that the Denver Broncos just ran the football. Yep ad nauseum. I mean, 39 attempts for 184 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. And the the longest runs of the day by the Denver Broncos were 16 yards by Melvin Gordon and nine yards by Javante Williams. I mean, it, it wasn't like it was, you know, the Broncos ripped off a couple of long runs and that was the, you know, that, that, that was the nail in the coffin for the lions. It was, it was death by a thousand carries. Yeah. Just eight yards at a time. Eight yard chunk. Eight yard chunk. Eight yard chunk. I I I I would be hard pressed to believe that the Denver Broncos were were ever off schedule in terms of their drives in this game. I mean, there was maybe a time or two where the Denver Broncos weren't you know keeping up with where their offense needed to be, and it was you know it it was a perfect game plan. Uh, Give Vic Fangio credit. You know, he he almost took, you know, this game was very reminiscent, I think, of what the Eagles did to the the Lions. But the Lions just had a little bit more uh, to call it pizzazz <laughs> just because it was one really fun touchdown play that the Lions ran. Yeah. Uh, to Khalif Raymond. But but really, it, it was just it, it was it was a little bit more offense. You know, the, the, the Lions were able to put together in this one, but this one was pretty reminiscent of, of that Eagles game from before the bye week. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And obviously, I think the game plan, like you said, from, from the Broncos was smart because the Lions are just hurting up the middle of that defense. You know, 
Levi Onzerike and Aline McNeil did, not, did end up playing in this game despite dealing with the flu and not practicing all week. Um, but the linebacking core was was devastated and even more devastated once Alex Anzalone left in the, after the second drive of the game. Um, the safeties were not playing particularly well in this game and obviously missing Tracy Walker, a guy who can, you know, lay on some pretty big hits and, and limit some some runs in this they, they certainly would have benefited from someone like Tracy Walker being out there in this game. And so, yeah, it, it felt def- like, I, I, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about the defense first, because I think that was one of their worst performances of the year. And you can, you could probably excuse a lot of it, right? Like you've got nobody on the edges in this game. You, you, I mean, you've got, you've got, was Austin Bryant. I don't I don't think Austin Bryant was, I don't remember seeing him at all in this game, Mm-mm. but I, nope. I honestly, like, did you see anybody, from the edges in this game, like Charles Harris played. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. And then, you know, you're talking about guys like Jesse Lemonnier and, and, and just, you know, nothing coming from the edges. You got the defensive interior didn't play horrible in this game. You know, there were times in which they, they were able to, to get to Melvin Gordon uh, in, in, in the backfield, but for the most part, you know, they, they didn't do great at Levi. I, I saw got pushed out of, you know, some lanes a couple times in this game. And then yeah, second mm-hmm. level, like I know Josh Woods finishes with what 13 tackles in this game, but um, he did not play well. He, he missed probably another five. He was out of position uh, several times. And then, you know, even Derek Barnes, you know, a guy that, that a lot of people are, are hopeful for got exposed in coverage a couple times um, and didn't look particularly good in this game. And then, yeah, like I mentioned, the safety play is just rough and, we put it all together and, you know, outside of that second quarter where it looked like they, they'd maybe starting to get things together and, and force Teddy Bridgewater to throw the ball, which he wasn't particularly great at in this game. Um, it just looked hopeful, hopeless, really. Like, I mean, when, how many times did the Broncos punt in this game? Technically three times, apparently Sam Martin, old friend, uh, only, <laughs> only had a, had a light day today, but to me, it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you can build off of from that defensive performance. Cause I don't, I can't really point at a single person and be like, you had a pretty good game. Yeah. You know, I, I think the thing that was most concerning about the lions run defense in this game is that there, there wasn't anybody attacking the, the point of rush. You know what I mean? It didn't seem like there was anybody getting, you know, at least arms or hands or anything on a running back at the point at which they were trying to make the hole. It, it seemed like, <laughs> to, to take this back to like a, uh, a Madden example, like when you're playing on like pro level, it seems like you have so much space to run, especially off the edges. It's like, just bounce everything outside, just right. bounce everything outside. And the Broncos were just able to manipulate the, the point of attack at, at which, you know, like you said, to start things off, it was like six, seven, eight yards, chunk, 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 chunk. And the the Broncos were able to get everything they wanted to on the ground to the point where, you know, Teddy Bridgewater didn't have to be exceptional. He didn't even have to be good. No. He, he was he was pretty replacement level. Like Drew Locke could have played in this game and the result is still the same. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater really makes too much of an impact in this game. Um didn't, but, they ran, didn't they run like 12 out of the first 15 plays in this game? Yeah. And then once they got out away from it, that's kind of when the lines came. That's back when they the ran game. into trouble. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. if they would have just kept that game plan for all four quarters, maybe, maybe this game is even worse, but sorry, I'll let you finish your point there. No, I mean, yeah. You, you look at the first two drives that the Broncos had 11 plays for 75 yards, touchdown, 12 plays, 74 yards, a touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, those two drives take up over 12 minutes and then it's punt, punt, field goal um, that they were able to get at the at the uh, end of the uh, the first half, and you know the lion t- to be down seventeen to ten at halftime felt like a win for the Lions. It felt like, hey, you know what? With the yeah. way that the Broncos started, and the way that they've regressed, mm. and the way that the Lions they stayed attacking, and they it. It didn't seem like they I, – I can't say that the Lions gave up, but, you know, you look at – I think the the drive that was so emblematic is, you know, the the the, the Lions are down 31 to 10, a 16-play drive, 71 <laughs> yards, that just results in nothing. Yeah. It, that just results in absolutely nothing. And, and I think 
<laughs> and it was so close to not even <laughs> not even having a chance to be in the end zone right. with the Godwin Ig- Iguabuque, what you know ended up not being a, a second fumble for him. But you know that that that's where the Lions season is. 16 plays, 70 some odd yards, a converted safety to running back, almost fumbles that possession away. And a tight end whose name I literally cannot even recall. Shane Zilstra. There you go. There you go. (laughs) On a clean pocket where Jared Goff had all the time to throw and decided to fade away. Yep. I mean, fade away very reminiscent of like Allen Iverson just fading away for no reason, even though he's got tons of space. I, 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 uh, you missed the best play on that drive. Second down Jared Goff back to pass. Oh no, he's not back to pass. He's on his back (laughs) because he got stepped on by Halapuli Vati Vaitai. Um, Yeah. I I mean, that drive was pretty ridiculous. And, And I mean, it goes to show you just like this team is not currently built to, to yeah. play from behind and no. they immediately got behind 14 points. And, you know, since it was the first quarter, they could kind of stick with their game plan early. And, you know, they were still running the ball pretty effectively in that second quarter and they were able to move Netflix. the ball effectively. Ne- I mean, Netflix. We'll get yeah. yeah, like the Lions offense, when, when it was a game, they were doing fine when they are down 21, 28 points. Like, the ball has to be Jared in Jared Goff's hands and that's not good for anybody. And it, it's more proof. I, I think maybe this is kind of a, a slamming down to reality. Not, not that Jared Goff is a horrible quarterback, but he's not someone that can get you back into a game. He yeah. just isn't like, we haven't seen that since week one against the 49ers it, because it doesn't happen. Like he just, he just isn't capable of doing it. Yeah. A- NFC Offensive player of the week, Jared Goff, really showed his colors in this one. That's right. We, um, we have two more days to call him that. <laughs> we do, um, because unfortunately, I don't I don't think he's going to repeat uh, as NFC Offensive Player of the Week. But, I, you know, Jeremy, I, I, think, I think what was most sobering about this game was what was that exactly? It, it was Jared Goff, and, and it was his performance. And um, because, I mean – at the end of the day, you even look at the the one touchdown that the Lions scored. Like that was all play design. Like what an incredible play design to have cool. Khalif Raymond run run all the way opposite of where he ends up being. I mean, what what a gassing play for a player to run halfway yeah. across the field and then run halfway back across the field with the football, you know, eventually in his hands to score a touchdown. You know, that comes back to play design. And th- there just isn't much that Jared Goff adds to this offense you know it it, it seems like jared goff just subtracts and that's what's that that's what's ultimately frustrating and the to to take to take this back to the defense because i know that's what we're focusing on right now um you know it's just more bad beats and more bad breaks and seeing what happened to jerry jacobs today was (sighs) Man, you want to talk about deflating, right. you know, just, just watching the replay, which was so terrible. And, you know, you want to hope the best for him. But after watching that replay, you can only think, you know, the, the worst possible outcome from that. And it's December 12th, Jeremy. Yeah, it's December 12th. So you're talking about about a guy, even if you, a lot of Lions fans are already thinking about next season, right? Yeah a play to happen this late in the season for a guy like that. I, I hope it's not as serious as it looks, but what a tough, what a tough break that happens right at the beginning of the game, right from the onset. It, you know, and, and like you said, Alex Anzalone, he deals with injuries. And then it was just the whole week leading into this Yeah, in terms of the flu outbreak and injuries and no T I mean, does TJ Hawkinson make it this, you know, does he make a difference in this game? Maybe. Does DeAndre Swift make a difference in this game? Maybe. I, I who knows, but it it sucks. And this season. <laughs> it sucks, man. Like I part part I mean, the thing that sucks most is we all went into the season knowing it was going to be bad. We all went to the season with one goal. Like, let's see the young guys play. Let's see them get better. We were immediately robbed of Jeff Okuda doing that. We were immediately robbed of Ifatu Melifan were doing that. And again, now, like when he's finally healthy, of course, COVID hits him. Jerry Romeo Jacobs Oquara. steps. Romeo Okwara. I mean, 
so many young players this this year are, are hurt or limited or whatever, and it, it's frustrating as hell. Thankfully, Panay Sewell has been balling out as as much as he had, even fighting through a, a shoulder injury that is clearly still impacting him. Um, actually, you know, most most of the rookie class in general is is playing and, and playing decently well. So that's something to hang your hat on. But Ali McNeil with his first sack. Exactly. But like, yeah, to make to go back to Jerry Jacobs, man, like, you know, you don't want to speculate too much on an injury, but you know, David J. Chow, that the former Chargers doctor said, you know, looks like an ACL MCL situation. Not going to call it a tear yet, but um, Campbell already, you know, he's talking right now as we're recording this, but says, you know, doesn't look good, but we'll, we'll know more tomorrow. And yeah, it's just like, not, well, now what? Like we, we can only dig into this undrafted free agent hole so far before we have to like, there's just like not a sixth guy down there that's going to be able to do something interesting. So, I mean, you hope that Melifanu comes back from, from the reserve COVID sometime soon, but since he was placed on the, the list, what was it? Was he a Friday or Saturday? He was a Saturday one, right? Who was that again? Melifanu. Uh, I think he was placed there Saturday, which means. Yes, it was late. Yeah. I mean, most, I mean, if you've been following most of these, you know, players placed on reserve COVID, whether they're vaccinated or not, it usually takes at least a week to get back from them. So could miss him next week against the Cardinals, <laughs> uh, which, which mean like, I don't, I don't know what you do. Do you trot? I mean, we at the they, very, at, they put Roby Coleman out there this week, which he, I mean, right. he's more of a nickel, but you don't have outside corners at this point. So I guess go out and try. And he wasn't particularly great. Picks up that um, pass interference, which I thought was a little weak and it certainly was an uncatchable pass, but apparently that stipulation doesn't exist anymore or <laughs> refs just never call it. But I mean, th- that was kind of the least of the problems today because like yeah. you said, Bridgewater didn't really have to do anything, but it's just emotionally deflating to see one of the better stories of this Lions team in 2021 go down towards the end of the season. And now you got four, four more games left. Is that it? Where uh, you're just like, well, who do I have to look forward to now? <laughs> Well, but I think that's the thing, Jeremy, is that that was the that was really one of the only things about the defense that was like, hey, the Lions have this guy named Jerry Jacobs and he might be a legit cornerback. Yeah, he he might be a guy that figures into their future, an undrafted free agent who has stepped up and and performed when, you know, he was he was on the cutting room floor like he was a guy who a lot of people didn't expect to be on this roster and then. That gets taken away. And yeah, it it's just tough for this roster, you know, and 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 I think, you know, looking at looking at where they are right now, right? 11 1 or 11 1. 1 1, one and 11. There's a lot of ones. It's yes. 1 1 1 and 1. Um lo- looking at where they are right now, I I, I think you you just want the younger guys to be healthy. Like you want Levi to be healthy. You want Aleem to be healthy. You want Penae Sewell to get through the rest of the season and be healthy. Um, not to the point where you need to, you know, be overly cautious and, you know, sit these guys um, because they still need reps and they still need oh, to yeah. play because that that's where that's where the season started, right? That's where we were excited to see Jeff Okuda and we were excited to get Romeo Okor out there. We were excited to see Afatu Malafanu before he went on IR. We were excited to see all those guys get reps and get playing time. And even though the Lions weren't going to be very good, they were going to get an opportunity to see these young guys play in those situations. And, and they've been robbed of that so far. So it's not something that you want to take away from what makes these Lions games watchable, right? Because yeah at the end of the day, that's what makes them watchable is, is seeing the young players get an opportunity to, to perform and play. And that's where you hope the rest of the season goes is that it, it, it's, it's a healthy opportunity for those guys to get snaps. Right. Well, before we go to our first break and, and then we'll talk more offense on, on the other side, cause there was actually some, some good things that came out of the offense, even though they only scored 10 points in this game. Um, I figure this is probably going to be at least a little bit of a narrative because anytime you get blown out like this, you know, conversation inevitably goes to coaching. Um, did you have any issue with the lions being uber aggressive on fourth down, even in their own zone in this game? I didn't, I didn't, it, it, it felt, it felt more par for the course. I mean, Hey, that fourth and one that the lions converted after after running the ball on third and five. Right. (laughs) 
it uh it, it felt good it was a nice little play design Khalif Raymond <laughs> nearly dropped that pass because he caught it on his that shoulder yep yeah yep. <laughs> um but you know I, I didn't have a problem with them being aggressive that they're, they're on the road you know so many players either <laughs> miss an entire week of practice or yeah. are not playing in the game you, you, you got to try to win the football game and I don't know. Did you have any problems with it? No. I mean, if anyone and anyone listened to this podcast regularly, they know I'm team go for it almost all the time, especially on fourth and ones. And so I there's know there's a lot there, of fourth and short there. The, yeah. There's four. I think every, there was a fourth and one, there was a fourth and two, two fourths and fours. I think there's another fourth down in there as well. Um, those maybe are the fourth all very, one. yeah. Those they, are they all very up, conversion worthy, right? Yeah. And, and they went three for five on, on the fourth down. They only had one, I guess uh, the one that anyone could really maybe have an issue was early in the third quarter. Um, you know, right out they, they fumble on the first possession, the Broncos score. It's a 24, 10 game. They go for it on fourth and two from their own 33. Mm-hmm. The game isn't quite out of hand at that point. So that I, I would agree that that's on the aggressive side of, of things going for it fourth and two on their own. Um, 33 and obviously they, that's one of the two that they don't pick up and then that immediately turns into a touchdown and suddenly we're in a, a 21 point game instead of a 14 point game so I, I can see why some people might have issues with that one but again you know your defense is not playing well in this game you know you're going to have to put up points you know you're going to have to be desperate and honestly like the offense is probably your strength on the team right now so you, you take a shot there and, and try to you know, turn this into a one score game instead of, uh, uh, you know, giving the ball back down two scores. So I, I, I don't have a huge problem with it. I, I, I think that one is going to be sticking some people's craw, but I, I guess the, the other thing too, is that they threw on, on all but one of the fourth downs. And mm-hmm. I know I already saw some people complaining about that, which again, sure. I guess yeah, if you want to be nitpicky, but to me, like play calling, always seems to to be a hindsight thing like if if it doesn't work you're an idiot if it does work wow you're smart so well hey um before before you talk about you know the uh the the exact set of downs where you're talking about you know after the lions fumble the broncos score a touchdown go up 24 to 10 and the lions go for it on their own 33 yard line on third and 22 what did the lions do they threw the ball downfield ryan Deep pass, 20-yard completion to Josh Reynolds. (laughs) That's right. And set him up with a fourth and two. Go for it. Uh, You know, Go for it. In in retrospect, they should have run a draw play on that third and 22 and just punted. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. With that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the offense because, as I mentioned, there were some good things that happened. And then we're going to look to the future. Because week 14 did not do the Lions any favors when it comes to draft position. But we'll talk about that and more when we come back on the POD cast. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back here on the POD cast, recapping the Lions 38-10 loss to the Denver Broncos. We talked a little bit about the defense and the first segment. Let's move over to the offense where, as I'm teased, some good things happened. And I let's start there because, hey, the Lions can still run the ball. 
They don't need Jamal Williams. They don't need DeAndre Swift. They ran for 118 yards and five, six a carry in this game. Surprised by that, Ryan? Uh, a little bit. Perhaps? A, a little bit. I mean, when you consider that, you know, the Lions are on a third string center. True. Um, he, he wasn't very good, but he was in the game and they, they ran the ball kind of behind him sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Is this how we're really going to start the segment? Like kind know. of good, maybe question Listen, mark. They uh, lost two by 28 points, Ryan. What do you want from me to pretend like everything's I, great? Taylor Decker had a reception for negative two yards. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a whole different thing. There was what, like five batted balls in this game. Okay. Okay. That, that was what maybe was most frustrating about this game in terms of Jared Goff. Like today, Jared Goff was really frustrating because why were so many balls getting batted down at the line of scrimmage? And it was, it was a perfect way to end the game for the Denver Broncos because they batted that ball down uh, to end the football game. But it. Let, let's just talk more about Jared Goff. Okay. okay. Well, well, we'll get back to the running game at the. Uh, later. We'll, we'll, we'll get yeah, we'll get back to the running game in a second. But like, there was, it it, it felt like a typical Jared Goff game because there was some good Jared Goff, yeah. and then there was some very bad Jared Goff, and you know even when the game was out of hand, when he tried to push the ball down the field. Like he was just like over, he was overshooting receivers yeah. like left and right. And it was yeah. just like overshoot, overshoot, overshoot. It's like, all right, you know what? I'm getting the ball down the field. I'm getting the ball down the field. And, you know, I, I think that was what was most frustrating about his performance is those two things like batted balls at the line of scrimmage when like that hasn't really been a problem all season long. And, you know, if the Lions want to push the ball down the field, at least give the receiver a shot. Yeah. I mean, let let your receiver make a play. Or underthrow it because you'll get pass interference like 90% of the time. Like overthrows are always the worst because you're just not giving anyone a chance to make a play. Yeah. But yeah, like I don't I, – I had a thought like halfway through the third quarter when the Lions I think were down either two or three scores. I'm like, you know what? Jared Goff's not playing terribly in this game. I would say he's like the 10th biggest problem. But then the problem is like the rest of the game happened. And it, it goes back to what I said before, like Jared Goff just isn't the guy that's going to take you out of the, of a, of a 21 point hole because nope. he wasn't very good at those downfield throws. He's usually have to like absolutely twist his arm to even get him to throw those kind of plays. And he, I guess he just does it so infrequently now that he's not as accurate as he used to be because accuracy actually used to not be a, a big problem for him. He used to be a great downfield passer. And then, he either lost confidence in doing it. He, he lost his vision in doing it. And now he just, he wasn't very accurate in this game when it came to it. Um, and- you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that he was under any like a special duress this game too. Right. Like, I mean, I, really. I felt, I, I felt like the offensive line did a fairly commendable job, yeah. all things considered of keeping yeah. him pretty clean in the pocket Goff, and giving him time to throw. It looks like golf took, Four two quarterback sacks, hits, right? Yeah, two sacks and four quarterback hits, which is not that bad. And one of them was the direct result of, you know, bad center play, which again can probably be like, let's not beat up on Ryan McCollum in his first career start. Like, yeah, that that's stuff to, to, to do for anybody. But, and, and Goff always has this problem. Like he had it on the, on the fourth down, I think it was in the, that ended the 16 play drive. He just faded away from the pocket right into um, Taylor Decker's guy. And, you know, forces him to throw off his back foot and all this sort of stuff. And it's just, he's never had good pocket presence since he's landed in here. He has poor vision. And I just, I don't know, like his accuracy wasn't on today either. And so put all those together, you're, you're never going to come back from 21 points with a quarterback playing like that. And I don't want to put it, like I said, I don't want to really put it all, all on golf because I thought he played well in the first half, honestly, like mm-hmm. not, not outstanding, but I thought he played well well enough. And you can't, you can't hammer the guy for, you know, negative five yards in the first quarter when what he threw the ball once, maybe like he had, they had six, three plays, I think in the entire first quarter because the defense couldn't get off the field. So, yeah, I mean the de- the Broncos were just running the ball ad nauseum. I mean, they had over like 12 yards or 12 minutes of possession time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when golf had his early chances, he was doing fine and, and you can say play design, whatever for, for the touchdown pass, but he still made the pass. So, 
I don't know. It, it seemed like he was playing a pretty good game until he wasn't, which again, like that's, that's Jared Goff so far. Like he'll give you a quarter, maybe sometimes a half, but we haven't seen four quarters out of Jared Goff. And we certainly didn't see him there today. And again, it's, it's just who he is like, and that's why that's, that's why, like, I think I'm done. Like most people were done already. Some people may have gotten back on the Jared Goff after, you know, offensive player of the, the week, Jared Goff played pretty well last week, at least in, in one quarter. But now I'm, I'm back to like, this guy just can't dig you out of a hole. And this is the NFL. Sometimes you're going to be down two scores. Even the best teams are going to find themselves down two scores. Sometimes if you're, if you're getting a quarterback who can only play when the game's within seven points, like you're, you don't, you don't have a quarterback. That's just not how you can survive in today's NFL. And that's just not what Jared Goff is, is capable of doing. So, uh, you know, back, back to, back to normal, I think with him, I don't think, I don't think this was building upon last week, although, you know, it, it certainly, it certainly wasn't as bad as, you know, the, the stretch right out of the, the buy, right. Like where they're, they're only throwing it within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I guess, I guess that's where the progress is like, we, we've been talking all week about the the influence that Ben Johnson has had on the offense and them being more aggressive. Well, I, I think for the past two or really three weeks, if you look at those passing charts that we like to obsess over after every game, those are getting better in terms of just trying to push the ball downfield. Is that is that tech, does that count as progress? I think that counts as progress, like his average depth of target. I, yeah. I think I think what also counts as progress is I'm on Ross St. Brown. Sure, twelve targets. Uh, eight eight catches for seventy three yards, and he probably got highlighted on the telestrator. I, I counted know. six uh, times. Yeah, is, <laughs> is that what you mean by eight targets? Was it eight targets from the telestrator? He <laughs> just well, felt yeah. the need. By the way, this is a great opportunity to go to Amon St. Brown. He's right here in the slot. You know, I think that was just Mark Sanchez being like, I don't know a lot of these Lions players, but I'm on Ra. He caught a touchdown at the end of the last game and he's playing in this game and he's got to be a favorite target of, of Jared Goff. Um, but he, I mean, Jared Goff did get the ball around. I mean, like Zilstra had a couple catches. Brock Wright had a few catches. Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, Craig Reynolds. Uh, Tom Kennedy even had a reception. Like. True. I mean, I just listed off all of those players, Jeremy. I mean, that's the island of misfit toys. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But but at the same time, like I think Amonara and, and Josh Reynolds are playing well right now. Like not not no, not they, even they're, like, they're NFL, okay. they're NFL players. They're I think NFL they're playing players. Good. Yeah. And yes, so like they're that at, if yeah. that's your one and two next year, like it's it's not the end of the world. I mean, you need depth in case either of those guys get injured, and you'd love to have like a a prime time number one for sure. But it's not as dire as I feel as I felt a month ago, right? Well, I mean, Brashad Perryman just caught a 53-yard touchdown oh, pass to end the game. Stop <laughs> it. Um, no, I, I look, uh, you go into next season and Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds are on your roster. You like that that's a better starting point than the Lions were at at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Like, I, I think a lot of people talk themselves into Brashad Perryman. It's like, oh, reclamation project. Right. Ooh. And, you know, even with Tyrell Williams, it was like, well, he's he's flashed, you know, at times. Um, I, I think at least what you're getting out of those two guys is, um, you know, you're getting you're getting some production and you're getting some, you know, Amon Ra is a guy who the, the reason why I like him so much as a receiver is like he'll catch the ball and then it's like he's getting upfield. Yeah. Like he, you will not knock that man backwards. No, that, that guy's, that guy's putting his shoulder into you and he's getting some extra yards. Uh, so that, that's why I really like him. I, I like Cleef Raven too. Like, you know, he, he ends up catching that, that touchdown pass yeah. on that, you know, fu- on that fun play design. But, you know, Cleef Raymond is a guy who's like, T- tell me why he shouldn't be your wide receiver for. Right. Tell me why he shouldn't be your wide receiver for slash mm-hmm. punt return slash maybe kick return guy. Um, and, and what because, I, what I like yeah. too, is that the lines are doing a good job, like using these guys creatively, because I mean, we mentioned the mm-hmm. touchdown play, but how about Amon rock coming out of the backfield as a running back? We've seen that a few times this year. And right. that's yeah. what I, you know, I don't know who exactly is, is designing some of these plays, but they're playing to these guys' strength, which is, I guess, I don't know how this turned into a positive about the passing game when we just like buried Jared Goff for, for five minutes, but 
this is some of the stuff that we saw, I think, earlier in the season where there, there's some creativeness to what they're doing there that they're using Amon Ra's, you know, versatility on the inside and outside. They're using Khalif Raymond's speed to, to beat, you know, cornerback sideline to sideline. And it feels good to see some creative plays again because it just felt like the creative juices were gone by like week six. Let, let, let's all agree on something. We, we really don't want Dan Campbell calling plays. Probably not. I don't, I don't, I don't think we want Dan Campbell calling plays because look at what you just said. Like at, at the beginning of, you know, the, the season, even in the preseason, there was like some fun stuff that like Anthony Lynn was doing, especially when like you consider a lot of NFL offenses to be so very vanilla because they're not going to show their hand at, at what they're doing. But you know, the first couple of weeks, like, Oh, there's some fun stuff happening on, on, on the offense. And then, you know, for that, that few game stretch, it was a lot of like smash mouth, run the football, even if it's on third and, you know, all the way to the other side of the country, they're still going to be running the football. I I think what we can all agree on is that the, the lions, the lions need somebody to be creative on offense. And I, I think what we're seeing is that that creativeness can pay dividends, even when you have very little talent here, but the trajectory of this offense, the way it feels like what happened this year, like the story of 2021 will be this. They came out with a lot of interesting looks, a lot of different things. And I think they felt that they overwhelmed the team. They they, they even said publicly, like, we need to scale some of this stuff back. Yeah, like we, they put too much on their plate. There was too much yeah. verbiage. There was too many plays. They just wanted to, to nail things down to the things they did well. And by the time you got to week six, what was the only thing that was really working? The run game. And so we mm-hmm. saw that for, for four or five weeks. And now out of the bye week, out of the, the reigning games and the, the Jared Goff injury, they're starting. I feel like they're starting to build it back up. I feel like they're starting to add some of those pieces again. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they, they needed Jared Goff to get comfortable. They need the wide receivers to get com- comfortable and start running the right routes. And now they're starting to build it up. And I, I think I, I even see our live chat. Like they're all saying, Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson. It's all Ben Johnson. Like he's the reason. It's hard to say. But all we know is that the line's very much like Ben Johnson. And then he talked to the media for the first time last week and sounded like a very impressive human being. Um, didn't know a ton about him in terms of his history before this week. And so maybe I, it, it does seem like Ben Johnson is going to be some part of this offense going forward, whether it's pass game coordinator, whether he gets a shot at offensive coordinator, if slash win Anthony Lynn gets ousted. Um, but it, it's something to consider. I, I, I guess I hadn't considered this while watching the game because it didn't seem like a particularly fun game to watch, but it does feel like they're making some strides there in the passing game in terms of just mixing things up and, and using their guys the way that they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can agree with all that. Can you agree with me that Godwin Igwebuke should probably like not carry the football all that often? It's been a rough year for him. Like, because he, this is, he lost kickoff duties early in the year because of fumbles. If you remember that, yeah, and then like I do. it's it's tricky though too because he has been good running the ball and he wasn't particularly bad running the ball today, but critical fumble to start the second half and then almost did it again um, after that that eighteen In the play drive zone. or whatever. Yeah. Um, finishes the game eight eight for twenty five, so not very efficient. But it's not like I don't feel like he left a lot of yards out there. Um, but Craig Reynolds certainly didn't leave a lot of yards out there either. No, is that what we're gonna do? Is it just all positive spin on so. the, I mean, uh, the, I, the 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 football team that scored ten points? Do you want me to hammer <laughs> on Godwin Igwebuke? Like I don't, I don't know. Like here. no, I I don't want you to crush the guy. I'm just saying that it. I you know what? It was probably out of necessity, right? I, I think sure. that it. Yeah. I, they didn't want to play I, Jamar because, it, as we discovered during the break, like he was dealing both with an ankle injury and the flu, so he was basically only dressed for emergency today. Like that was, that was the game plan going. Yeah. So if it, if it wasn't for that, I think you would have saw a lot of Jamar Jefferson and a lot of Craig Reynolds. I agree. And it would have been surprising, but yeah, I think you might be right. It would have been surprising, but I, it just ended up, you know, even being the case, I I think like Craig got a lot of, he got a lot of play, you know, from, from the jump. I I know him and Godwin were kind of going back and forth, but it seemed, I I was pretty surprised. Like, I I know, like I didn't have the, I didn't have the foresight, you know, to know that, uh, that Jamar was being held out because of the ankle injury, but like seeing so much Craig Reynolds, it was like, wow, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, 
even even with Jamar Jefferson not really getting any play because you would consider, well, I don't know, Godwin's been on the active roster and he's been getting carries. So why why isn't he getting more play? Um uh, I, I, can I can I talk about how I was like two two and a half quarters into that game, I was riding around with a feather feather in my cap being like, you know what? This is a great day for team running backs don't matter. Lions are down their first two top two running backs. Godwin Ugebuke and, and and Craig Reynolds are just running it all over. And then like, I even put a very snarky tweet out there. It's like, Hmm, it's interesting that the Lions running game is, is doing so well without their top two running backs. It's almost like, and then I stopped the tweet right there. And then like a quarter later, the, the, the fumbles start happening and it's just like, Oh yeah, that's right. They, they don't lose. They hadn't lost a lot of fumbles. A guy like, uh, uh, Jamal Williams has literally fumbled once in his entire career. And that happened last week, <laughs> but I still kind of feel the same way. Like the fact that Craig Reynolds can come out of nowhere, a guy who's been on the practice squad, you know, basically working with scout teams all season come in and, and almost have a hundred yard game. Despite the fact that this team was losing behind the entire game, still puts up 83 yards on 11 carries. That's kind of prove my point, right? Let's kind of prove it a little bit. Maybe not prove it, but it supports my point. You just want me to say yes. I do. I want you to 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 be on the right side of history. Um. Well, hold on. Let's do the thing that you love to do. You get you rid want of, to take away his big run. You get, you, you get rid of Craig Reynolds' big run of okay. thirty-five yards. He's still averaging four point eight yards a carry. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. Um. Oh man. I don't want to talk about this offense anymore. All I want, (laughs) Lions, look me in the eyes here. (laughs) I know Swift hasn't been reliably healthy. I know you only have Jamal Williams for one more year. Please don't sign DeAndre Swift to a contract extension. Don't don't do that. And don't draft (laughs) a running back on day one or day two. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Please. That's all I ask. Load up on defense. Get yourself a quarterback. Get yourself a wide receiver. Let's 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 have ourselves a 2022. Use the Rams pick to take Kenneth Walker and Shut watch Jeremy. Up. No, watch no. Jeremy burn. No, absolutely not. All right, we're gonna take our second break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about draft order. It's great lead-in. We're talking about you're welcome. not taking Kenneth Walker at all. And we'll talk about where the Lions might be picking both with their pick and the Rams pick with a big Monday night game coming to impact that. But we'll talk about all that when we come back on the BOD cast. Go Cods, go. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on the POD cast recapping Lions Broncos uh, final segment here. I think we're going to move on from the game. We kind of, like I said, want to turn the page on that one. Not a lot to take from it when there's so many backups playing in that one, but um, let's, let's move forward. Let's talk about what week 14 means for the Lions because after Lions win last week, suddenly their grasp on that number one pick is only half a game. They got a half game lead on the Jaguars and the Texans. Unfortunately for Detroit, they also lost both of those teams and neither game was particularly close. The The Jaguars were skunked, did not score a single point this week. And while the Texans were able to hang around a little bit for the, with the, the Seahawks in the end, they did not. And so Lions got four games left, four games left. They've got Cardinals next week. They've got, oh boy, testing my own memory here. Well, I mean, real quick, we can pause on that because right now the the Lions have opened up as 13 and a half point 
home underdogs. Home underdogs. Yes. To the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, that, so their the two most winnable games come after that, which is at the Falcons, at the Seahawks. Seahawks are kind of playing pretty well right now. The Falcons also won today. So they're both those teams are looking better maybe than they did a few weeks ago. And then they finish at home with the Packers who might be fighting for one seed. They might not be fighting for anything, but maybe one more win for the lions. Probably not more than that. And so the problem though, is that one win could potentially push them down at least out of the number one spot. The good news for Detroit is that one of the teams that they're contending with the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Houston Texans are likely going to lose next week. And then unless there's a tie, which could also kind of help the lines a little bit. Um, but I think it would be the, the least ideal situation. The question here is with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans playing next week, who do you want to lose? Who do you want to get that loss? And who do you want to get that win? Because obviously I think you want the team that has the harder schedule to win because they're less likely to get one down the stretch. Do you, do you have a preference here? Do you want me to go through each team's schedule? Uh, I, I have a preference, but I think we should probably break down their schedules. Yeah. Okay. So, so the Jaguars have the Texans next week at home. Then they go on the road at the Jets, a potentially winnable game. The Jets are only have three wins on the road against the Patriots at home against the Colts to finish up. Colts probably going to be in the playoff race there. So that's, you look at that and you say the next two weeks are winnable for Jacksonville. The, the, the other two, probably not fair. Very fair. Especially when you talk about a Patriots team, that's probably going to be fighting. I don't know. The, I mean, they, the might, Bills, they might have the one seed rolled up with the way they're playing. Uh, yeah. I was going to say the bill bills just lost. So, I mean, it feels like the AFC East is theirs to lose at this point. For sure. Texans. On the other hand, they got the Jaguars on the road next week. Then they got chargers at 49ers uh, home against the Titans. Seems like it would take a pretty significant upset for them to get a win out of any of those final three games. But, you know, the Chargers are pretty inconsistent. Actually, all four, three of those teams are kind of inconsistent. So I wouldn't completely rule it out. But it seems like this this next week is the only one that they're going to be even close to favored in, right? Yeah, and, and with that being said, I absolutely want the Jaguars to win. Really? Okay, explain to me. <clears throat> I absolutely want the Jaguars to win. And, and, and the reason why I want the Jaguars to win is – because Urban Meyer, like I just <laughs> because I want that team them... is that team is more likely to quit on everyone. Yes, yes, yeah. it, precisely for that reason. Like I think that if the Jaguars can get a win, maybe you can hope that the Texans squeak out a win against you know either the Chargers, yeah. the 49ers, yeah, or the Titans. Sure. I, 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 maybe, maybe they end up winning those games. Maybe because you know the Titans picked up that big win today over the Jaguars. Maybe the Titans are. Locked into the AFC South, they've won their division. Maybe they can't really improve their seating or anything like that. Maybe, maybe they take the week off. You know, I, I, I would rather kind of bank on that than than the Texans winning because I know here, here's here's where it, here's where it kind of the the fork in the road comes is that if you want the Texans to win, that means, Hey, you think the Jaguars stand a chance of beating the jets, right? Like I, I want the jets to beat the Jaguars just to like, lock the lions into a top like top three pick well okay I, I that i guess that's fair but to me the the only way the jets the lions catch the jets or, or vice versa however you want to say is if the lions win two more games right like they've got a one half game lead on the jets with with the jets at three wins the lines at one and a half so the lions would have to win two so you, you'd be giving them both the falcons and the seahawks game essentially I don't, I don't I, think that's happening. It's, it's, I mean, if the Packers can get their shit together and, and beat the Bears on Sunday Night Football All here. Right. All right, they... relax, Mr. Parlay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 it's I an interesting where point. you're going with this. Yes. It's, it's an interesting point, though, Like because, yeah, the, the Jaguars have all the feels right now, and maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, Urban Meyer might be gone. And he if that's could, the case, maybe, maybe they get the, the bevel bounce. The bevel bounce. The bevel bounce. bounce. It worked for the Lions for one game, right? Didn't they get one win? Did they get one win immediately after? But and, and then, like after that, it was it was a disaster. Maybe they get the bevel bounce against the the Texans this week. I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard because I at the same time, like I don't know. Maybe maybe what is it? Sahir Khan is that that his name? Sahir Khan, the the owner there. Like if if you hired Urban Meyer, 
knowing all of the things about him beforehand, like how is anything that's happening surprising to you? Maybe, maybe you're, you're of the ilk of these kind of fans that, that, that hung around during the match Patricia era where you're like, he's no, like this sort of disruption is what was needed. We need to get all the, the bad eggs that, that, that didn't take this seriously. All the losers, get all the losers out. Cause I'm not a loser. You coaches are the losers. Get all those guys out and then you'll turn it around. Like we know, we know being on the other side of that, that doesn't work of course, but um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what the owner sees and and he rides Urban Meyer out the rest of the season. And if that's the case, yeah, I could see them lose out hundred percent. I could see them lose to the Texans, Jets, Patriots, and Colts. Yes. So maybe, maybe you want them to pick up a win here, but I mean, I like, I like, I don't want the, I don't want the Texans. I feel like you have to, I feel like you have to root for the Texans here because they just don't have another win here. They just don't have another win on their schedule. But I, I think the for Texans sure. have, the Texans have been the most, I think the close, it, the it, it feels weird. It, it feels weird to say this, but it feels like they've been the more competitive football team. Like, and I know that's really weird to say about a team that lost 31 to five to the Cardinals and lost 31 to three to the, to the Colts and got skunked 40 to nothing by the bills. 31 to nothing to the Colts two weeks ago, a week ago. <laughs> they didn't beat the Titans though. And the Texans also beat the Jaguars earlier in the season. They did. One. Yep. Um, and, and the Patriots barely beat them 25, 22. Um, I don't know. Like, so yeah, your you, argument is that you think the Texans are better, so therefore more likely to to steal a game. Yeah, like I I think that like if, okay. if I mean <laughs> Davis Mills play today, but like if Tyrod Taylor plays, like I mean Tyrod Taylor can maybe can he he might be able to steal you a game, right? If he plays, if he plays, they they benched him today. And no, no, they said they didn't they make an announcement that that I think they made an announcement that. What I don't even know the guy's name. What's Mills? Davis is going to be their quarterback for the rest of the season. What a trash franchise! <laughs> and that leads me to my other point that I wanted to talk about because I, I tweeted about this the other night. Um, so the Lions, the Texans, and and the Jaguars are the worst teams in the league. I think we can pretty much all agree with that um, in terms of just how they are in twenty twenty one. But you couldn't find a different a more different set of fans than the lions that separates them from that group. And it's not just the lions, like Texans are a mess. They have been a mess for a while, certainly since all of the, the quarterback stuff happened last year and their owner and Bill O'Brien and, and all sorts of crazy stuff going on with that organization. Obviously the Jaguars are an absolute mess under urban Meyer and everyone saw it coming and we'll see if they make a coaching change after and make it a, a one and done, or if he doesn't even get to one and done. But the, the point I wanted to make was, Every week at Pride of Detroit, we send an email to a select uh, amount of our fans, and every SB Nation site does this, um, asking them how confident you are in the direction of your franchise of that you're a fan of. Um, and, and they spit out a percentage every week just to, to kind of get a sense of where everyone's at. The Jaguars are currently at 0%, and that was before getting skunked today on Sunday. The Houston Texans are at 9%, 9 as in under 10%, 990, not 19, nine. <laughs> That's a single digit. The Detroit Lions coming off their first win of the season, 88%. And, and listen, like, make all the jokes you want about the Lions accepting mediocrity and Lions fans being delusional and all that sort of jibber-jabber because that's true of every franchise. Like, you look at the Jaguars poll, at, at, at the beginning of the year, they were at 90% as well. Like, that's, that's just how fandom works when you start a new with a new coach, unless you're the Texans, because the Texans were obviously going through a lot of different things at the beginning of the year, they started at about 10% and never really got above 50. But I think the point being the Lions are, are in a much better situation than these two franchises, right? Like they have a team that likes playing for their head coach. They're playing hard. They they've got resources to turn things around. Like the, there's reason why there's an 80 percent difference than than these other teams right right I, I mean at least the lions fans feel like they have their head coach 
Right. You know what I mean? For, for, you know, and it may be delusion. Like there, there's certainly been some red flags with Dan Campbell. He's not a perfect, he doesn't, I don't think he warrants an 88% confidence in him quite yet, but he also hasn't done anything tremendously bad to lose complete faith in. I mean, he hasn't had an expose written about him that <laughs> completely paints him as <laughs> the most toxic person within the organization. Right. Um, <laughs> questioning the resumes of his assistant coaches to ask who hired those guys, by the way, dude, it's wild. Like urban Meyer. I mean, but that's not even the crazy. I I don't think that's the craziest thing that urban Meyer has done all season long. No, it's prop. It might not be top three. Like he stayed, he stayed back in Ohio to like grind on people. Like, (laughs) like urban Meyer has to hire a guy who was, who had just been accused of racism in college. Remember that story? Like that felt that, that was like 10 months that ago. Was, I forgot about that, but that was forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Urban Meyer, not a great head coach. Also um, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions today. Right. And and I saw some people like I, I was making the argument that, you know, the lines are in a better shape than these two franchises and, and people made a fair point that saying Trevor Lawrence, they got their, at least they have their, the franchise quarterback there, but he's not playing particularly well. That doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. Rookies struggle in their first year all the time. Peyton Manning had blah, blah, blah interceptions. And we, everyone throws out that stat every time there's a potentially good quarterback that struggles at, at the beginning of their career. But I, 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 my point being like, do we know that they have their quarterback yet? I think the answer is no. I'm, I'm not saying I know that, that they don't have their quarterback. I think we just don't know yet. Yeah, and, and that brings up an interesting conversation that maybe we can <clears throat> maybe we can follow up with this here in a second. But like, if we want to take it to the Texans, I mean, this is an organization that like nobody wanted to be the coach of this football team. Nope. Nobody, nobody wanted any part of this football team because of what's going on with Deshaun Watson, uh, because of just the hierarchy within this organization in terms of ownership, and I mean. You want to talk about like toxic ownership? I mean, that's the Houston Texans to a T. They're they're doing everything the wrong way, man, and they're everything. not treating their employees the right way, and and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's a lot of the stuff that the Lions were guilty of five years ago, three and, years and, ago, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, and I mean, just just rewind rewind the the clock back like a year and a half ago. Like the the Cardinals, or I'm sorry, the uh, the Texans were an organization that traded away perhaps their franchise's greatest player. <laughs> For for running back, yep. like, do you know, like, could you imagine, Jeremy, like, if the Lions had like traded Calvin Johnson for a running back who used to be good, Le'Veon Bell? It wasn't, it, but and that's the thing. It's like David Johnson wasn't even David Johnson anymore. Like right. David Johnson was like the remnants of David Johnson. Yep. Um. So I mean, the 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 Texans have just, and I mean, the, the, the with the whole way that the JJ Watt saga ended, like, yeah. I mean, talk about an organization that has just like continued to just fumble every opportunity to get things right. Um. And then, and then, yeah. if the Jaguars are a team that that is capable of hiring Urban Meyer when everyone knew that was going to be a disaster, their organization must not be pretty you know, running pretty smoothly anyways. But yeah. I, I, really quick, I want to bring it back to the original point, which is my, my original point is I feel like the Lions are pretty much locked into a top two pick at this point because the, only way, that, the only way that really happens is if they win, win two games, right? Win, yeah, they go two and two in their final four games, which I, I mean, I just, listen, maybe they pull one of those Atlanta-Seattle games, but I don't see them winning any other two. They might be competitive. I mean, we've seen them competitive and who knows, maybe something bounces the right way, but... I, I think I think it'd be ridiculous for them to go to two, two and two. And if they if even if they win one because the Jaguars and the Texans play each other, one of those teams is going to pick up another win unless they die again, which is kind of a disaster scenario. Um, Lions are going to get a top two pick, which means if if draft narrative continues the way it is, Thibodeau or Hutchinson gonna they're going to have a, a crack at one of those two guys, which is it's good news because I haven't seen like a good edge rushing snap out of this Lions defense in. 10 months. It feels like <laughs> since Romeo Okara went on IR pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Un- unless it's Charles Harris and it's like Charles Harris, go get the quarterback. Um, <laughs> right. He's, yeah. he's been, he's, that's yeah. You know what? That wasn't fair to Charles Harris. That was not fair to Charles Harris, but um, 
Yeah, I I, I think that's uh, I think that's most accurate of of where the Lions are. You know, heading down the stretch is that you know the either the Jaguars or the Texans are going to win next week. Yep, and that's going to lock the Lions likely into one of the top two picks. Um, I I think that the only thing that could end up being disastrous is is, is if the Lions don't get one of those top two picks. Right. That, yeah. That's that's how I feel too. Like I feel like I want. I just I need assurance that they're going to be one or two, and then I'm I'm fine. Like the Lions are going to get a tail a top tier player. I think mm-hmm. at two, three. I mean, start. We were starting to have the the Kyle Hamilton debate already, but. I don't, I don't think we're going to have that debate anymore. So I mean, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this might be a conversation that we have continuously throughout, you know, the next, Oh God, five, four or five months. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think this is a worthwhile conversation to, to at least bring up, but like you talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. They drafted Trevor Lawrence, who was viewed as probably being like one of the most like surefire number one picks in, in recent memory. Like you go back like to Andrew Luck and you're like, yeah, that guy 100% should have been the number one pick. It was the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. Right. Uh, you know, Trevor has really struggled in his rookie season would you be okay with the lions taking a flyer on either a guy with the Rams pick or the lions pick at the top of the second round and then following up the next season, if the lions have another bad season, drafting another quarterback, like in the top five, it's, it's an interesting discussion. Um, I think it's a little excessive. Um, I think when you, you have these top picks and you just, you need to get production out of them. In my opinion, like right. you, ha- you can't have a miss, you can't have a miss. And so you're, you're essentially, you're hedging your bet, right? <laughs> Which you think I'd probably be a big fan of because I always <laughs> have my bets. Yeah. But in essence, you're, you are taking, you know, you, you essentially are going to have five picks over the next two years in the top 33. Mm. And you're essentially taking that down to four, right? Yeah. Right. Which seems like bad strategy to me. Like I I understand hedging your bets. I know, I know making sure you get a quarterback is important and, and, you know, paramount really like it's, it's goal number one. So I can, I can see the argument for it, but I I don't like wasting a pick necessarily. I, I feel like you just need to get a guy that you're sure of and you don't mess around. You don't, you don't say, well, maybe this is our guy, but we're going to make sure next year that we do hit like one of these two guys is going to be our guy. Now just get your guy. Just get your guy. Yeah. I know you're distracted uh, right now and I know you are, I know exactly why. So I'm going to change to one last topic before we go. And that is the Rams pick because we've got a big game on Monday night. And I know some of you are probably going to be listening to this after the Monday night game, but it's a huge game because the Rams are playing the Cardinals. If the Cardinals win this game, I don't know if they mathematically win the NFC West, but they essentially win the NFC West because they have a three game lead over the Rams plus the tiebreaker. So I feel like, unless maybe the 49ers can mathematically catch them, it's basically over. And so that's that's big news for the Lions pick because that means the Rams are going to essentially be a wildcard team. At this point, I don't think it's realistic to expect the Rams to fall out of the playoff race completely. I think they're like 91% chance of, of making it to the playoffs. So as much as you want to hope that that's going to happen, it's not, it's not going to happen. The Rams are going to make the playoffs. There's, there's not enough good teams in the NFC to, to push them out. But a win by the Cardinals on Saturday and Monday basically means the Rams will be traveling on the road for week one of the playoffs, which I guess, let, let me ask you this. Who is your ideal matchup? And 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 in this scenario, we're, we're rooting for the Rams to lose. I know there are a lot of Stafford fans out there, including me, that want to prove that, that Stafford can win big games. But let's just talk draft pick here. You want the Rams to lose. Who do you want to see them playing in round one of the playoffs. So right now the Cardinals are the one seed. They get a bye theoretically, if they stay there, the, the other division winners are the bucks, the Packers and the Cowboys, assuming those all stand out of those three. Who do you want to see the Rams in the first round to maximize Lions draft pick? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like it just has to be the Buccaneers, right? Yeah. Because it seems like they're the most complete team. Um, especially when they're at, that full health and, you know, even, even today, like 
they, you know, still without Antonio Brown, who I, I think is so important to their team, but I mean, they, they ended up pulling it out over the bills um, in overtime fashion, but uh, I, the Cowboys, here's the thing about the Cowboys that I think is kind of interesting though. It's like their defense gets his revenge on the Cowboys. The, their, their defense is finally like healthy. Like True. they got Demarcus Lawrence back. Micah Parsons has been an incredible, Ridiculous. has been an incredible, I mean, he's making a case for defensive player of the year, not just rookie yep. uh, defensive player of the year, but um, you know, the, the, their defense is finally getting back to, to full health just like at the end of the season too. So um, really I, I would, I would, I would feel good about them playing really any of those teams. Um, Packers. I mean, we just watched the Packers take it to the Rams not, not too long ago. So, and currently get it taken to them on Sunday night football, but you know what? The Packers in the not so distant past have gone into halftime losing to the bears and absolutely crushing their dreams in the second half. So maybe that'll happen, Ryan. I'm done. <laughs> you know what? I think we'll probably end it there. Thank you all for listening to the Pride of Detroit podcast. I want to remind you guys, please, if you can and haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a review so that we can maintain our status as the most, not highest, the most reviewed Lions podcast out there. <laughs> um, and we'll, maybe we'll read some. If you, if you leave something entertaining there, we'll, we'll, we'll read you and you'll be famous for a day here on the Pride of Detroit podcast. But thank you for listening. Thank you to Ryan for joining us. Thank you to Chris for editing. We'll see you next week, hopefully, buddy. And until next time, it's chaos. Be kind. Be kind.